Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Debating for America's Youth. Today, we're interviewing two awesome guests. Today, we're interviewing Evan Pan and Bradley Tidwell, the 2019 NSDA National Runners-Up in Public Forum Debate. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So it's awesome that you guys accepted this interview because we haven't done a lot of public forum stuff on this channel, but I would really like to start doing that. So my first question is, how do you guys practice for a public forum debate round um, when you have a topic and when you don't have a topic yet? So one thing that I think um, I did a lot before, I guess, the topic um, was really just sort of practicing on either past topics or uh, topics that were similar uh, to the upcoming topic area, uh, because NSDA will usually let you know what sort of area it will be around. Um, so especially before nationals, before we got the topic, um, I know we both did a, a decent amount of topical just sort of research um, just around the area uh, before we specifically got our topic. Um, so I think for the most part, that is just a lot of research and then a couple of drills. Um, but I know Evan has a little bit more specifically on to like actual topic stuff. Yeah, so I think that like, especially with the Nationals topic, it's kind of unique in that um, you have a lot of time leading up to like Nationals to prepare, which I think can be like a little bit difficult to manage because you don't really know what to do with like all of your time, how to use it the most effectively. But I'd like 100% resonate with what Bradley said about like um, doing research really and like understanding the topic through and through before you start crafting arguments. Because if you like don't have a fundamental understanding of like, the topic itself, then um, your arguments probably aren't going to be very sound. But as for like practicing, um, yeah, running through a couple of drills. Um, to be honest, like Bradley and I didn't didn't do like too many practice rounds per se. Uh, we we definitely did a couple, but our school's like pretty small, and we only have like one other PF team. Or at the time, we only had one other PF team. So I know we ran like one or two practice rounds with them. Um, the week leading up to nationals yeah, I think, definitely go ahead yeah. and, and plus i think um especially heading up to nationals i know we both did a decent amount of drills sort of individually whether that just be sort of uh, either reading through cases or other types of things um that were like more sort of individual speech stuff but i think uh, for the most part when it comes to like i guess practicing pf um i think probably what we ended up doing most was just like actually just like researching cutting arguments, cutting cards, than it was necessarily, I think, doing drills, at least for the most part, during our time. That makes sense. Yeah, when you, and then when you get a specific topic, like how do you research? I know you talked about how you start off with general research, but is there any like places you first go to, any briefs that you particularly like? And like, how do you get like really prepared on a specific topic once you have it? Yeah, so I'd say like after, after like the very surface level general research, um, I know something Bradley and I both like really love to do was uh, check out the open, like the, the wiki, the policy wiki specifically. Um, you'll find that like a lot of the time, or a lot of the times topics that you currently have will have like massive relation to past policy topics that cover a lot of ground. And so just like, you know, topics that have any form of link to a policy topic, we can like go to policy backfiles, which is like really important for us because we couldn't prep out that many like block files on our own. But um, I remember like very specifically on um, the Saudi Arabia topic, LD had um, a very similar topic related to authoritarian regimes. And so there was a lot of, a lot of argumentation based in Saudi Arabia. So I know that we kind of like checked out the LD, LD wiki and see what 
kind of deeper levels of argumentation were being run. And then we were able to kind of formulate our own like block files based on that and also able to kind of adapt arguments as well. Yeah, definitely. I think when it comes to um, like the policy we can open evidence, um, especially helps with figuring out like different ways to look at uh, the topic rather than just sort of the general public forum mindset. So I think there's a lot of parity that exists within the event uh, as to like what teams will try to run, uh, different strategies people will use. And so that's definitely uh, sort of adding up to Evan is saying is that um, it wasn't just good because of research. It was also really good to just think about it the uh, the topic in a different way and from different viewpoints. And that's something that I think throughout uh, our you know, time as partners, we generally try to do over uh, on different topics. Um, so that was definitely helpful as well. And then I think another thing that we ended up doing quite a bit um, was once we've sort of started to develop our ideas and cases, we would end up pulling cards from a lot of different briefs, like the good ones, um, and sort of putting them into uh, the block files or the cases, uh, the ones we decided to use. Um, but we, I would say for the most part, um, we didn't really use briefs as much. A lot of it, I think, for the most part was like um, sort of pulling evidence ourselves or from other places. Uh, but I think that's, that's for the most part. I, I definitely agree with what you guys are saying. I actually debated a public forum topic on Venezuela, and before that I debated it for Congress, and so I pulled over a lot of the data I had before and the prior knowledge I had researched into the public forum topic. So I think that using like past topics that can inspire you is really good to kind of get an edge on like, especially getting started with prepping. So in terms of questioning, I know that there's questioning blocks for public forum. How do you guys come up with questions? Do you come up with them beforehand based on your research or do you listen to the speech and base your questions entirely off of what they're saying in their speech? Um, I think that questioning in PF is kind of unique because it doesn't matter among like progressive circuits, right? Like questioning doesn't really serve a real like function um, besides maybe prep time for the second or for the for the rebuttal speaker um i mean for us uh we really just came up with questions on the spot um things that we could maybe lead them down like lines of logic that we could lead them down that would potentially lead to a concession um but most more often than not like <laughs> both questioners will just get kind of argumentative on like the the uh, semantics of like the question itself and then you know we won't get to a conclusion but I'd say like, so in progressive circles, it doesn't really matter that much because there isn't really much weight assigned to questioning, but in more traditional lay circles, uh, it definitely matters a lot more in terms of perception. So I'd say like the way that you deliver and answer questions is more important than the content of the question itself. Um, it's really all about how you ask and how you answer it for those lay judges, I, I would think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I. I remember back when I was a junior and I had a different partner who wasn't up and I just told him to just stall uh, during questioning because it can, it almost never helps you in like technical rounds. It can really only hurt you unless you make a, if you make like a big concession. So yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it, for the most part, at least in technical rounds, we didn't really focus on it. Um, like every once in a while, maybe we had one big question that we wanted to ask, but it was, it was almost never really a, a big thing for us. Definitely, yeah. I think that a lot of the times, I mean, at least when I did that one public forum debate, I asked a lot of questions based on like some like specific points that they made and tried to like break them down more or like you were talking about, lead them down a line of reasoning. But mm -hmm. as long as you don't like just give the whole case away, I think it's your yeah. question. 
Yeah, because it's also like, it's kind of funny because the way that it can work in public forum is like you, you could question, you could spend like your entire block of questioning um, asking about like a specific contention or argument. But like at the end of the day, if they wanted to kick the link and drop that contention, then like all of that time of questioning really didn't matter either way. So it's kind of unique in PF, I would say. So when you guys like debated in front of like groups of people, and especially when you got into that national stage with the whole huge crowd of nationals watching you, how did you get over those speaking nerves? Do you get nervous when you speak in front of people? And if so, how do you combat those nerves? Um, I, I can answer for both of us in that I don't think either one of us were like had speaking nerves per se. Like neither one of us were really anxious about that leading up to the final round. Um, but like in general nerves before like approaching rounds, that's like a hundred percent. Like I think everyone kind of goes through that. Um, and I remember like in our quarterfinals and our semifinal rounds, like those felt a lot more nerve wracking than the final round did. Um, but like for me personally, I like <laughs> before PF, I did like Congress and I've done a lot of extent. And so like speaking in front of like crowds of people um, didn't really like affect me too much because you know I had experience with extemp in Congress speaking in front of crowds so yeah I think for me um at least especially when it came to like quarterfinals and semifinals I think speaking in front of crowds actually made me more excited and like more uh, I guess just sort of invigorated in the debate because uh, I don't know I just felt like you know people are there to, like watch a good round to some extent so like debating well is like exciting when it's a just I think in front of people uh, for the most part. Um, so I think in those particular times, like I, and for the most part, when we've had people watch us, I felt like more excited to like do well uh, than it was necessarily nerves. Uh, but I'd say probably when I first began debate, I used to have a little bit more nerves because especially when you're not as prepped out on your case, or maybe you like wrote it the night before, which I know we've done <laughs> plenty of times before. Uh, I think that's usually when nerves come in. Um, but I think once once you become more prepared and more sort of experienced, they eventually go away, at least in my experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I would say that the more I debate, especially when I'm more prepared on a topic, I think that my nerves kind of go away, especially when you make a good point and you can see the audience kind of responding to what you're saying. I think it kind of reinforces your like idea and your like confidence in yourself. Yeah, so yeah. when it comes to standing out, so when you're at, the, you're, you're at nationals, you have a, a bunch of amazing people from all across the United States who all did super well to get there. How do you think that you stood out to get to that final round and to become runners up? Like, in this huge crowd of really like really good people how did you in particular make it all the way there i don't know okay so i think one thing um that i guess maybe we figured out maybe at nats was that i think we had a sort of concrete strategy that we we sort of, I guess what we call it sometimes, we sort of figured out the meta of the topic to some extent. And so once we figured out the strategy that would win the vast majority of rounds, we just sort of stuck to it and just sort of ran it into the ground. And I think that's, and that sounds more, um, sounds easier than it is uh, because you don't really have figured out whether you figured out the meta of the topic until you've actually debated it. And sometimes it's too late uh, once you've actually done it. But I think, at least particularly for us, we had a very specific strategy 
on the neg and once we figured out what we were going to do and this sort of developed over time at nats like especially we ended up running this overview that we wrote like literally in the mall at in dallas <laughs> like just sitting and drinking smoothies and we figured and that ended up being really really useful later in the tournament yeah, rounds yeah um, and so i think we stood out just because we figured out the meta and then we just sort of didn't stray from it uh because yeah. i feel like in a lot of situations once you move away from it that's when you can sometimes mess up and lose yeah absolutely i would i would in, in terms of strategy i think bradley's spot on there because uh if you like look up our tab room results for nationals like you'd you'd really ask some like really i don't know it'd be kind of questionable you ended up negating like 14 or 13 times um yeah i i, I think we we only affirmed twice um throughout nationals and the thing is is that like in pf because it's a coin flip like a lot of the times you can pref aside um, which is, you know, not, that doesn't happen in PF or LD or uh, policy or LD. But in terms of like um, performance, um, I think that the most, one of the most important things about NSDA nationals specifically is to, uh, it's to be consistent, really. Um, being consistent in energy and like execution is really important given that, you know, it's a, it's a really long tournament and there are no tournaments on the circuit that are really, you know, like, ending like a total of 16 rounds um throughout you know a, f a four or five day period so i think that like in prelims we kind of um we're figuring out the meta as bradley was saying and then we were also trying to you know hit our stride and become more and more consistent with with each round and i think that like the thing that that a lot of partnerships may miss out on is you know, constant communication between two partners which is something that i, I think we did really well and so, um, as Bradley was saying, like sticking to their strategy, because we both knew our strategy going into each round, like, you know, there weren't moments where we like questioned each other on certain calls, um, because we were both confident in the same strategy, which I think takes communication. So, yeah. yeah definitely. So what you're saying is that if you have a weighted coin, you do better, right? I mean, <laughs> just win the coin flip. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we, speaking of communication, you guys say you communicate very well because you understand the strategy. How do you guys get, I know you guys said before this interview started that you guys started to be teammates your senior year. How do you guys build up that communication? Are you guys like really good friends or do you like, like go over your case a bunch? How do you get that communication between like partners? I don't know. I think to some extent it just requires the two right people. Like Evan and I were friends before we were partners. Um, and so we already just sort of talk a lot in general uh, to with each other. And so to some extent, I think that communication already existed. But I think also part of that is making sure that there is a somewhat even balanced relationship. There are a lot of partnerships that I know where somebody is very clearly carrying somebody in terms of how much work is being done um, and strategy in round. Uh, but Evan and I are very, very even, or I guess we're very, very even, uh, with sort of how we prepped, how we thought about strategy. And in a lot of times, we were just sort of similar in the way that we wanted to go about things. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, you just ended up having, having to have the right people uh, together and then just sort of, and there, I, there's definitely some strategies to build them up. But I think to some extent, it's just two people that are able to work well together. Yeah, and to kind of echo that, um the point of th that we were friends before partners i think that I, I don't really want like people listening to this be like be feeling like uh you know they made a partnership but they were forced into a partnership and now they have to build a friendship um 
I think the reason why like being friends before partners works is because you like have genuine care and like for that person. And so like there's a mutual investment to, to see the team succeed, right? Whereas like I know that a lot of some you know large programs end up forcing people into partnerships who might not necessarily be the best of friends. Um, if they don't really like care for each other's well-being, then that partnership in the end like won't work out. Um, and so it's definitely like a, it, it takes a lot to invest in in your partner to like um, really get to know them, be be like caring friends before you're like an effective debate partner. But um, yeah, I, and then kind of as Bradley was also saying in terms of like splitting up our workload, uh, we really just like ended up trusting each other with um, kind of like sub topics or sub areas um, for like blocks or disads or whatever it was, um, rather than wasting time having two people like constantly like check each other back or look over them like simultaneously, we would kind of split up the workload there and then trust each other that, you know, it would work out and that um, the, you know, it was high quality work, so. Definitely. And would you, um, like, like you were saying, Bradley, and I guess Evan too, um, you got to have someone who not only cares for the other person, but also cares for the event. If you have one person who really cares about speech and debate or public forum, they, they want to get far and the other person is just kind of there, then the workload will automatically be, you know, distributed unevenly because someone cares a lot more. But if you find two people who are willing to have the same goal in mind, I think that that could be really strong as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, at the end of the day, like you can, a hundred percent you can build up skills necessary to succeed in public forum very quickly you don't need a lifetime of work to do it um but finding like a partner that's equally invested and just as hard working that matches you in those areas is probably like a more important thing because then you can trust each other and then just work on those skills and build them up um establishing like passion and um like care for the event is like much more difficult than building up pf skills once you already have that like passion for the event I completely agree because I think one thing, especially because we went to camp the, the year before our, the summer before our senior year. And one thing that I think helped us is that we had goals specifically said, sort of agreed upon um, that we wanted to accomplish throughout the year. And so we both sort of were on the same page the entire year as to what we wanted to do. And so when it comes to, and I know a lot of partnerships, um, they have situations in which somebody wants to go to a tournament and somebody else doesn't, or those types of things, and those little uh, sort of communication errors in which um, they're not really on the same page. I think that's one thing that we also did pretty well, is that we generally understood where what we were trying to do and what was most important to us, which tournaments were important, those types of things. And so having those sort of goal set out for you as I think something that really was useful for us. Definitely. And so for a new novice who's starting off in public forum or hasn't done very many tournaments in public forum, do you have any advice for them? Like anyone who's watching this and they want to get started in public forum, but they really are, I guess they don't know how, or do you have any like advice that you wish you knew as a novice? Um, I think it's, it's, or it seems to be pretty easy to be intimidated by public forum. Um, especially like if you peep the subreddit, it can seem like pretty exclusionary. Um, I say like, if you, if you start at the local level, like it's a, it's a great event to dip your toes in, to learn the basics of argumentation, um, without being scared off by like really fancy words. Um, and then also like watching, watching rounds online is a great resource to kind of see what the national circuit might look like and see if that's something that you want to pursue. 
Um, so for a novice, really, I think public forums are a great way to dip your toes into learning like actual argumentation and understanding the test technical aspects of, of debate without getting to, um, I guess, like invested in a lot of the, the very, like, very, very like technical and progressive aspects of debate. Definitely. Uh, do you have any advice, Bradley? Yeah, I would say, so yeah, I would, I would want to agree probably just stay off the subreddit, at least in terms of like looking at like threat lists and things like that. Those can honestly only uh, scare you and make you, you know, think that PF is more complicated than we, it truly, it, like it's really not as complicated as people want to make it. Um, and then I also think one thing that I wish I had known as a novice, or I guess somebody had told me was really just do your own work for the most part. I think that a lot of people find ways to sort of, um, sort of try and cheat the system by getting your teammates blocks or uh, just use running uh, arguments only off the briefs um, or those types of things. But we didn't truly, I think, for at least for me, I didn't think I truly grew until I was writing my own blocks and I was writing my own arguments and doing my own research and those types of things uh, rather than just relying on other people because not only do you understand the arguments you're making much better, but you also have a much wider breadth of topical research so that in round, um, when somebody runs this wacky argument, you've at least heard it before and you have at least some background knowledge to sort of be able to, uh, to argue whatever it is. And honestly, I just think it, it's much more rewarding as well. I think succeeding with other people's work or just not really doing it yourself, it's just not as, um, it doesn't, I don't think it would feel as great than if you wrote all of this or you and your partner work together and you're in the trenches and really settling down and doing the work. So I think somebody should have told me, I wish somebody had told me that my early into my junior year uh, to really just, you know, do your, do your own thing, honestly. Yeah. Um, to go back on and, and to like, if I, if I was a freshman or if I was like a novice in PF, um, I'd say like in terms of selecting arguments, run what's, what's like, not most logical per se, but uh, like running true arguments is generally like stronger. If you can find unique links in true arguments, then, you know, it's like S tier argument. Um, I'd say that like the reason why that might be like the better way to approach topics is because in a, you know, in a judge pool, if you can win like the tech side with your links and also win like the lay side with, you know, your generally true argument, then uh, you might have like an easier easier time um, approaching those like tournaments that might be a little bit intimidating for you the first time around. Yeah. I think off what you were saying earlier, Bradley, um, I, when I was during congressional debate, because that's my main event, when I'm questioning people, it's so funny to see, like question someone who doesn't, didn't write their own speech or just took it off the internet. Because as soon as I ask them a question, like, well, why is that true? Or like, what's the connection between your point and like this bill? They completely floundered. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, and, and they look a lot weaker in the judge's eyes. And, and you could do the same thing in public forum. If you question them during questioning and they don't understand their own case because they didn't write it or they stole it, then they're weak and it's easy to kind of expose them for that. So I think that it's a lot more rewarding and also a lot better competitively if you know what you're doing and you wrote it yourself. Yeah. And sort of jumping off what Evan said about um, true arguments, I think that's another thing that helped us at Nationals is that we generally ran decently true arguments um at least at least one of our arguments the other one eh, i don't know <laughs> but 
for the most part, I think running two arguments makes it actually just better, like what I've been saying for technical and for lay, not only just because it's strategic, but I think it's also much easier to convince in close rounds judges to believe your logic. And a lot of times, I think, in figuring this out while judging, and I think Admiral probably does this as well, um, in close technical rounds, the arguments that you can believe more are just oftentimes arguments you just feel more comfortable voting on. And so when you're yeah. really close technically, even if you may not have one technically, true arguments just often just give you that edge over. And I think that's one thing that definitely helped us at Matthews. So wrapping up this interview, it's been a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people can learn a lot from this interview. You guys, since you're out of the high school debate community, do you have any message for the high school debate community? Anything that you would like to say to them? A lot of people have taken this question to say something that they would like to see improved in the community or something that they would like to thank the community for because hopefully a lot of people will watch this interview and if you would like to say something to the people who watch this, this is your opportunity. Yeah. Um, I think like as, as a, you know, a graduated member of the community, like, I've definitely gained a lot of perspective in terms of like, you know, debate when you're in it and when you're competing at the highest level, like it's your entire world. Um, when you step out of it, you realize that you know, it's it really doesn't matter that much. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like your accolades, like nobody cares that you were top speaker at the Harvard Invitational like in 2016 or whatever. But, but um, so I, I think like the implication of that is like, you know, you might be like, you might be really important while you're in a debate with all these accolades and accomplishments. But once you step out of that world, like, you know, people aren't going to care about that so much. And so um, from that, like learn to be nice and respect people, regardless of how accomplished you are. I think something that Bradley and I saw were that there were like a lot of egos that 16, 17 year old high school students were like having. Um, so like, yeah, just like be kind to others. There's no, there's no need to be like rude or have a massive ego because you're successful at something in high school, so. I think I definitely agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, I also, I think my message would probably be, I think it would probably be to, and I guess just really one thing that I probably want to see more of is I guess, be nicer to the lay judges to be completely <laughs> This is, I've just heard like, this year, uh, I helped run the Yale tournament. I just heard, heard so many complaints about lay judges. And I know I definitely did quite my fair share of it. Uh, to be completely honest, being on the other side of a tournament, like they don't run without parents helping out, driving kids, judging, running concessions and all this stuff. Um, and so even if, you know, the other team dropped two turns and they're fully extended and impacted, like, it's one, I think it's just more interesting if you're able to debate in a different way in front of lay judges and really try and, and cater to their, uh, to what they're looking for. And sometimes you don't know, but I also just think that at the very least, give them the respect they deserve for helping, you know, this event and this, I guess, activity really run. Uh, so I guess that's one thing. Um, and I guess the other would probably just be to sort of along with Evan saying, to some extent, stop the good debater syndrome that I think so much of PF has with just sort of fetishizing almost like certain debaters because they're good. Because uh, I think over the last couple of years, we've definitely seen that go really awry uh, with several different people that just sort of hasn't been the best. Um, so I think for the most part, when it comes to fixing the community, I think it's really just 
really treating people like what Evan's saying with respect and treating people as people. Because at the end of the day, like just because you're a good debater doesn't mean that you know you're any better or any more moral or any um, more deserving of respect than anybody else. Yeah, and uh, I think the last thing, something that I'd like to see more of in PF um, are underdogs, I think. That was like a really awesome experience for Badly and I uh, coming from you know, a high school that um, wasn't even able to like compete really um, at nationals and, uh, or you know, compete at the same level in the past. And so kind of like to be able to be those underdogs uh, was a really, really fun and rewarding experience to kind of see like an entire you know, community kind of rally around us um, at that time. So um, it's definitely something I want to see more. I want to see more small schools and rural schools being able to you know, pop off at the highest level because they're certainly capable of it, so. I, I completely agree with you guys, what you guys are saying. And I'm sure that the debate community can work towards making those improvements that you guys were stating because I agree with your statements wholeheartedly. So I just want to thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been awesome. And um, yeah, good luck in the rest of your lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having yeah. us. Good luck to you. All right. Um, okay, perfect.